So I think that if, if you want to go into the startup world and start your own business, really understanding yourself and what motivates you. If you're doing it just because you need a job in the short term, that's not the right reason. You will accidentally set yourself up to fail. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation, and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast. Before I introduce this week's guest, y'all leave me some reviews in iTunes if you would. I would love to read them on air and give you a shout out. All right. So I'm sitting here this afternoon with Vicki Not. Chief Executive Officer and Co-Founder of Crux OCM. Vicki, how are you? I am good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Let's start off by you telling our audience how you got started in the oil and gas industry. Yes. So I actually started, I'm a chemical engineer, born Canadian. So went to the University of New Brunswick. And when I graduated, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I decided to take the job that paid the most right. to be in Alberta. So the Texas of Canada. <laughs> and, uh, so I went there, you know, I worked a little bit with one gas pipeline company and then started working for a much larger oil pipeline company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how I got started. Yes. Yeah, was there for about, was actually the 13th employee for their commercial operations when they started up a major pipeline system. So it was uh -huh. a super fun job. Got to do all the things from commissioning control systems, trained as a control room operator, worked in the commercial group, worked with the, the FIMSA regulator for FIMSA regulations around control room management, management of change. So, so yeah, that's how, that's how I got started. So do you have any issues you face or frustrations or accolades to, to overcome? I mean, you're a female in the oil and gas industry. Yeah. So at first when the team was really small, it was, it was awesome. I had like, I had the best boss ever. And so he would just, you know, I had ideas of things that I really wanted to, to go do. And, you know, my entrepreneurial spirit, I had lots of ideas and lots of things. And so he was, he was very encouraging. Definitely found some challenges. I've, you know, I've been looked in the face and told, why do I care about my career? I'm marrying a doctor. So you do, you do get a lot of, you get a lot of things where you just look at people and you're like, wow, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, there's been, there's been challenges. I found the big corporate, a more challenging environment for sure. Yeah, I understand that. Certainly. So let's talk about what you do now. Yeah. So yeah, so, you know, having the, the good old challenges in big corporate, also trying, you know, as the, the organization I was in was growing and changing, I was a junior engineer and didn't have, I guess, you know, the social clout in, in a big org. So I was trying to, I'd met my co-founder, Roger Shirt. So he has a PhD in electrical chem and chemical engineering in process control. And he'd been consulting for North America pipeline companies for about 18 years. So I met him. And we tried to, after my experience of training as a control room operator and working commissioning control systems, we found this significant, I guess, gap in technology when it comes to operating heavy industrial assets, specifically in energy. So you have a control room and you have a control room operator. That control room operator is still leveraging paper procedures, checklists, and rules of thumb to complete mm -hmm. highly transient, highly transient activities, such as a pipeline startup or a gas plant startup. 
So seeing that and me having trained and breaking a sweat, trying to start up a very large pipeline, we knew that there was a massive opportunity for the industry if we could automate a lot of those paper procedures, checklists and rules of thumb, both from, you know, regulatory, making sure that things are standard, automation is safer, as well as, you know, if you can increase the utilization of these assets, you're increasing the value and the revenue to to the companies. So, and efficiency, of course, efficiency is green, which we, we all like. So yeah, so Roger and I, you know, we saw that big hole. We started trying to pitch inside of big company, which of course is a lot more difficult than I'd realized at the time. So after about a year and a half of trying to get somewhere, Roger and I decided to start our own company to tackle this problem. So that's where Crux was born. So since then, that was about four years ago now, we've been able to make a good amount of headway. We, we had to learn how to start a business. So we actually fall into the category of tech startup. So we are venture capital backed. We've grown to a team of 18 and we currently have three customers. We are an early stage company. We're not super established yet, but looking to be in, in live in live deployments here this summer. Awesome. Awesome. So you're you're almost at that scale up point. We are on the cusp. Yeah, for sure. It's been a long slog, but we we really realized, you know, when you know we, we struggled doing this in-house, but we quickly realized just how big this opportunity is, right? Like there's, I think I'd read recently there's three thousand pipeline companies alone in North America. Oh yeah. Yeah, each of them with control rooms or or they're using a control room, a central control room of a, a provider, right? Right. So, and then there's gas plants, LNG plants, there's hydro facilities, <laughs> like generation right. facilities, there's coal plants. There's there's a lot of facilities with control rooms, all of which have control room operators. I like to call them the pilots. You know, you still need the pilots. You're not going to get in a plane without a pilot, but you're also not going to get in a plane without autopilot software. So we need to get autopilot software in our control rooms. Oh, very, very good. That's very good. So what's your opinion on this catastrophe that happened with the Colonial Pipeline? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So that one I found quite interesting. I think my biggest takeaway, and I've talked to quite a few folks about, about this, is please, pipeline companies, do not promote your 20-year IT guy who's got so much experience at your company. Please don't promote him into your cybersecurity role. Like you, you know, they've got so much knowledge on how to move move product safely and efficiently. But when it comes to modern hacking techniques, they may know nothing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so scary. Well, and we see that even with like, you know, like the, when it comes to the builder buy discussion with potential customers, right? They're like, well, we can mm-hmm. build this. I'm like, Absolutely. People can build anything they want with enough time and money. However, does your staff have modern, like the most modern software building tools and techniques? Like, do they know how to maintain it? Do they know how to, you know, manage the rev changes? Like, do they even know how to use Git, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't know any of those tools, the learning curve actually becomes quite steep. And that, that that's definitely, I think, the cybersecurity thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. So if you had a piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? Oh, so I guess clarify the question. Piece of advice when it comes to oil and gas or leadership or startup world? All of the above. Oh, all of the above. Okay. So when it comes to startup world, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to startup world, you know, it might seem, especially, you know, with coming out of COVID and like so many folks being laid off and stuff, it may seem super appealing because, you know, in the big code you worked for, you saw these huge problems. So it may seem super appealing. I personally think entrepreneurship is a personality type, not so much a skill set. And so I think that if if you want to go into the startup world and start your own business, really understanding yourself 
and what motivates you. If you're doing it just because you need a job in the short term, that's not the right reason. You will accidentally set yourself up to fail. So definitely knowing yourself and understanding that, yeah, entrepreneurship and startup is a, is a personality type because I've been in a lot of deep, dark holes. <laughs> and <laughs> the only thing that'll get you out of bed in the morning is because you know that the industry needs what you're building, then that'll keep you going. But if it's if you're just doing it because you're trying to get a paycheck, you're probably not going to get a paycheck because I didn't get one yeah. in years. <laughs> Yo, that's a that's the startup world. Period. Yeah, you oh, you yeah. take out mortgages to help make to help ends meet. Oh, I know it's nuts. So then, so then I think in oil and gas, and maybe this towards the more the more the more ladies in oil and gas, because that's the ones that I can can share some more insights with. I think like choosing like your hill to die on, I guess, right? Like, so yeah, it sucks. This person in this meeting is talking over you like they always do, right? Like mm-hmm. because they just don't hear you or see you. You know what? That really sucks and you can get really worked up over it. Or you can ask the really guy next to you if he can repeat what you just said. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and, and you know what? Do you want to win or do you want to be right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like I want to win. And so if that means, so my co-founder used to do it for me all the time. And he used to make jokes. He's like, hey, Vicky, you're going to say something smart and I'm going to repeat it for you. And I'm like, yeah, do it. You know, we can waste all of our energy as women trying to try to be invited to the table or we can just take our seat any way we can. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that one for yeah. sure. So that was that one. And then, yeah. And then leadership, that one, I'm still learning leadership. So if anybody has any tips for me, <laughs> if there's a comment section below and they want to let me know because I went from junior engineer to CEO. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm learning. <laughs> That's one hell of a promotion. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's like, I like it. If only the pay reflected that for the first two and a half years. <laughs> right. So what book influenced you the most and why? Yeah. Okay. So that's a, an awesome question. When Roger and I decided we wanted to do this, I was just kind of, I literally Googled startup books or books on starting a business. I read The Lean Startup. I read Four Steps to the Epiphany and I read Business Model Canvas and Value Proposition Design. So those were super useful. I'd say the most useful if you're going to to start a business and, and you want it to be like a software company is the four steps to the epiphany. It's awesome. Great. What is your most used business tool? Oh, so another great book that I read is Measure What Matters, Objectives and Key Results. So business tool that that I use that I love is Objectives and Key Results. So instead of using KPIs to manage the business, we use OPS. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we love OKRs because it's you can write them a little easier to be aspirational and everything has a number associated with it. So everybody, you know, we as a company will have our OKRs for the year, like our objectives for the year, then we'll mm-hmm. have the quarter. And then the way that we work with our team is like, okay, well, here's the objectives for the quarter. You guys step away and write your objectives and key results that correlate to this. And everyone has every single key result. It has a score. So every week you have to move your your number, right? And it may be, it might be subjective and that's okay, but it's still ensuring that everyone's paddling the boat in the same direction. OKRs are unlike KPIs in that we do not tie them to performance and compensation. And the reason why is that I wouldn't want to incentivize someone to write a really easy OKR because then they're going to meet it. But I also don't want people to be punished if they write a really ambitious OKR and they do a great job trying to achieve it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot better than the KPIs. It's nice. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like maybe it's just me, but I just kind of feel like you can be attacked, not necessarily manipulated, but like, what am I looking for? Oh, well. Yeah. It's like they're, it's, they're too almost prescriptive, I find. Like, and you don't. Yes. That's, yeah, yeah. That's perfect. Right. 
Yeah. So like what I like about O'Care is, is that the team goes away and they write their own, right? It's like, yeah. And, and so, and what happens is when the numbers like kind of roll up, like they do in KPIs, you end up with a score. So like as the team works all quarter on stuff, like the overall OKR score, which is the, you know, the average of them all, it moves. And then you're like, okay, well, great team. You know, we did an amazing job getting this software installed in this client's environment and everybody like, you know, we hit 0.7 out of one, which is what we're supposed to do. Right. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Who would you say is your most respected competitor? So we actually have no direct competitors at this point, but we do have, I'd say my most, our most respected competitor would be folks who want to build in-house. So, and us, and us trying to work with them to understand the benefits of scalable software versus in-house consulting or, because even if you say you're building it in-house, you're still going to hire a consultant to help with a bunch of things and working with folks to understand why a scalable software package is so much has so much more value in terms of economies of scale and in terms of consistency over time. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, so that's and then we've got, you know, we've our lovely big the lovely big industrial automation giants, you know, there's some some cool companies out there that are advising or or telling control room operators what to do via screens. That's an approach that we stayed away from because mm-hmm. control room operators don't need more information. They need less. Why is that? So it's actually a FIMSA regulation. Can't remember which one, but so control room management is, is governed by FIMSA. There's certain standards that they, that control rooms need to meet in terms of how much workload a control room operator has, alarming, like the screen colors, even, even to that level of detail. Interesting. Yeah, so so a huge challenge I think for anyone trying to build tools for a control room is making sure that they're very cognizant of the fact that these people are already work overworked. So if you're trying to give them more, it's probably not what they need to see or want. Maybe management doesn't quite understand that yet, but the end user, it's it's too much. Yeah, yeah, safety issue. I see that. Totally a safety issue. Yeah, so like so for us we're trying to simplify and take away workloads that they have time to breathe and make decisions, right? Yeah. Yeah, you have to have a clear head to do that. Exactly. Not being reactive, right? And just kind of exactly. jumping around trying to deal with things. Yeah. Yeah. Less distraction, more focus. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So why do you think your role now is important to the future of the oil and gas industry, Vicky? Ah, oh, as I said, I love this question. Great question. <laughs> <laughs> so I love this question. I think that control room operations have to get more modern. The industry is doing, doing a great job and, and it's always getting better, but we need to keep getting better, right? Like it's not something that we can stop thinking about. The reason why and why I think control room operations are so critical is, you know, if you're a major pipeline company and everyone in your control room decides to just walk out, do you actually have anyone on staff who can operate those assets? Oh, good not. point. Probably not, right? Yeah. And so what's your only redundancy? Your only redundancy is automation. So I believe the industry needs this. I believe, you know, can, I believe you need a pilot just as bad as you need a you need autopilot software, but you can't have one without the other. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I think the industry needs this. I think not just the energy industry, I think, you know, anywhere with a control room needs this. You know, we need to make the environment safer and more efficient for the folks that that work there every day. Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Seems pretty logical, yet. Yeah, right. (laughs) For some reason, we're the first to really tackle it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. That's amazing. I'm glad glad you're in that space. Do you have a favorite podcast? You know, I can say this one. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, 
so I'm a reader. I read lots and lots of books. I do, yeah, if folks send me like specific podcasts, they're like, oh, you'll like this. Like I totally listen in, but I tend to enjoy reading. So so yeah, so other books that I can recommend. I just finished Blitz Scaling, which again in the startup world is fascinating. <laughs> but I think the biggest takeaway from that book is as a startup, you're already dead. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to the point. Straight to the point. So so how to how to yeah, keep your head above water. <laughs> Any other books you want to mention? I'd say The Four Steps to the Epiphany was the other really, really big one. I actually think that Blitz Scaling and Four Steps to the Epiphany would be great for, for folks in, in leadership positions as well as folks in oil and gas because it starts wrapping your head around in a very easy to read, enjoyable way. And, and Lean Startups is another one. It starts wrapping your head around how to build things and, and work much more efficiently as opposed to getting you know, getting analysis paralysis around the what could go wrong, it, it helps you start thinking more around what could go right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I like. So it's, yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I think that that's probably the, that'd be the books. I'm trying to think if there's any other real good ones that were earth shakers for me, but yeah, I'd say Blitzscaling was the most recent. Blitzscaling. Gotcha. Duly noted. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Becky, if people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Crux OCM, how can they go about doing so? Oh, so you can email me directly at Vicky, V-I-C-K-I at CruxOCM.com. There's also a way that can you can fill out on the website if you have some, some additional questions. We're, of course, super keen to talk to anyone with an oil pipeline right now because that's the product that we're, we're ready to go with. Um, yeah, I'm quite active on LinkedIn and, and love to post stuff, so feel free to, to check us out there. I actually just got an article published in World Pipeline Magazine. So that's Oh, nice. congratulations. Yeah. So I talked about, yeah, I got a little spicy. Yeah. <laughs> I like spicy. <laughs> I got a spicy. Yeah. So talking about, you know, digital transformation initiatives and, and, and what the actual goal is versus getting too hung up on the buzzwords or the excitement or the shiny things. Yeah. Yeah. The buzzwords. Those kill me. They kill me too. I'm like, yeah. yeah, continual regression analysis is ML, everyone. It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't need to use the word ML. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little spicier than what's probably usually in World Pipeline. Well, but- I'm definitely going to check it out now. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. It's good. good. That's great. That's great. All right. So that concludes this episode. Just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Yeah. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for July 2021. This month we have five events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're always interested in staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting our monthly happy hour at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on July 29th. Our June happy hour was a hit, so if you weren't there for the June one, we hope to see you there this month at our July happy hour. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. Don't forget that it's on July 29th. Other than OGGN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events. The first one being the Doug Permian and Eagle Ford Conference at the Fort Worth Convention Center from July 12th to July 14th. And the next in-person event is the SPE International Data Science Convention at the Norris Convention Center in Houston, Texas on July 8th. Next, we have our two online events. The first being a Cognite webinar titled, From Buzzwords to Boardrooms, What Energy Leaders Really Think About the Transition Towards True Sustainability. And that's on July 8th from 1130 to 1230. 
And lastly, we have the US Africa Energy Forum, which is online on July 12th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for July. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com. Yeah.